trying to force his way into the picture. You start your sports podcast hitting balls. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the brand new Hitting Balls, a weekly show where we talk about any sport that isn't one of the American big four, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, I'm one half of the show, Cole. Joining me on the other side of the screen or the other voice you might be hearing, the Matthew Vanderpool of being unemployed, it's Jeff. You're going to have to explain that one to me. How is Matthew Vanderpool unemployed? No, you're because you're really good at not having a job. I mean, arguably, everyone's really good at not having a job if they choose to be. <laughs> That's very true. Anyway, let's talk about what this podcast is going to be um, since it's not an episode. Uh, first, I want to talk about what we're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about football. We're not going to talk about European football, probably either. Too mainstream. Not going to talk about NHL, MLB, NFL. Uh, none of the big sports. Not because we don't like them, just because I watch all of, of them, except I hockey, hockey. Them. I'm very excited for baseball to come back. Go Phils. But I am not interested in talking about things everyone else is already talking about, like millions and millions. Now, those sports we're covering aren't popular, but they're not to that extent, at least in America. You know what um, really annoyed me when I went golfing today? What annoyed you when you're golfing today? The guy who uh, sold me the balls that I needed had a Phillies hat on, and he told me he was rooting for the 49ers. Disgusting. I felt like that was a disgrace. Anyway, we already broke our rule. Um, so basically how it's going to work, how it is going to work, we are going to talk about here. Uh, we're going to talk about different sporting events that we watched last week. And we'll follow some sports exclusively, right? We're going to talk a lot about professional cycling. We're going to talk a lot about track and field when that in, in season. And then we might get one off some random sports depending on what pops up, what we feel like talking about. You know, there's going to be some car racing in this episode and the next one. Uh, we're just going to kind of bounce around. We'll get into a rhythm of like things we talk about consistently during the seasons. If you guys are interested in them, we like talking about them. Uh, at the end of the day, if we find it boring to talk about, we're just not going to talk about it. Um, and there's some sports we're going to watch together. Some sports we're going to watch on our own. Uh, but that being said, I want to dive into the first big event of the year that we both watched. Uh, that's going to be the Tour Down Under. Woo! So do you want to just go stage by stage? How did you how did you uh, write down your notes on this one? Uh, I did stage by stage. Let me Perfect. Um, so for those notes. who don't know, the Tour Down Under is the first world tour event on the pro segment calendar. The world tour being the um, elite top level events, right? These are ones that matter the most for teams to stay ranked in the top and keep the world tour license race in the grand tours and classics and all that. Um, so important in the sense that it is a top level race. Uh, not necessarily important in terms of prestige, unless you're Australian. Cole, how do I get a pro license? Uh, you gotta be a lot faster. Okay. But after that, how do I get a pro license? Uh, you gotta get signed. And well, I think no. So you can get a UCI license without being on a pro team, but like you, because you can do certain UCI events without team. It's very confusing. It's not a very clear path. That's upsetting. Um, but you can't race a tour down under as a solo rider without a pro contract, unfortunately. No, um, okay. so, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump right in with them. They don't okay, why not? So that being said, uh for me going in as someone who knows a lot more about the sport than you do, my turn under expectations is that like it doesn't really matter. Like, unless you are, like I said, unless you are Australian or you're like a rookie or you're coming into the year wanting to prove a point, then it matters. But for a lot of Peloton, like it's just it's just training sessions, really. You know what I mean? Um, what are your general thoughts on the race as a race before we get into the stages? Uh, arguably a really boring race. OK, yeah, I agree. Um, I really enjoyed it. Granted, I just like watching cycling. Um, but in the sense of 
quality there didn't seem to be like that much fighting going on that was like that's usually interesting in cycling yes it was very organized there are a few crashes which i'll get into at some point but it was very much felt like it was like we hang around till 5k to go um and then we race and then even then the quality of that it wasn't great but let, let's let's you know let's get started let's talk about stage one so stage one circuit race three laps three times was one hill 14 percent max um I have a bunch of random notes of the lead up to the stage because watch most of this one live actually. Um, EF educate EF kit, mint, beautiful, best kit, of, best kit of the tour. Love it. Did the bike livery, beautiful, gorgeous, incredible. Love it. Will they win races this year? We'll see. They look one. great. One. They look great. Um, Quinn Simmons, bozo. I don't like him. Uh, Not the that's, American. That's all there is to it. Um, the Yumbo kit this year. Well, sorry, it's bike share something i think now uh, uh it, it's visma rent a bike visma rent a bike their kids are yellow yellow this year and i don't like it it's way too yellow um what does she do have with them wearing the yellow jersey before they win the yellow jersey i know um i thought it was interesting in this race the breakaway took a while to go like usually in these races they'll go in the first like five kilometers it didn't go into like 60k in this one i felt like which is interesting i took a note that i really enjoyed at 62 kilometers left in the race the breakaway took a pee break yes that see so that's i actually wrote that down too <laughs> because like usually that well i will have a tour right you might get of 150k to go or something like that but like 62 gig you usually in the big races are racing and that's your sign of like okay this is not a big race for most peloton not that they don't care and not that they don't want to win like you're a competitor you want to win you want to achieve things but like you're not i mean you're peeing with 60k to go you know what i mean like it's not that seems like a really good way to let the peloton just catch back up and like all right 60k and we're just gonna we're just gonna pull over and have an espresso and like hop back in your bike at that point you know what i mean could you imagine like one of them stopping at a coffee shop there are points at this of this race that like I generally felt like you know it says like oh I could hang with a Peloton you know when they're going slow and tour fans I'm like you couldn't no, there's this one where I'm like okay if you drop me in with like from a like 120 to 90k to go in these stages we could probably like hang on the back we'd be fucking dying don't say you wrong. saw me race with like <laughs> the other <Yes>. day <laughs> like we <laughs> could probably survive for a bit you know we wouldn't be happy we'd be huffing and puffing but we could survive. Just, me get me keeping with the peloton is the same speed as me sprinting <laughs> yes um i did want to call out uh louis bar louis bar um he won the uh kom uh, the first kom of the race i really liked his pedaling style i wrote that down specifically um, you're gonna have to elaborate because so he's a french racer and so his pedal stroke and this is a very old school cycling thing i feel like that i learned from racing track and all the old i race not even like a high cadence but just the way he pedals is like such a smooth rhythmic like it just looked it's one of those things i can't really explain what it is but it just looked really good i feel like it's a very french thing to have a really good pedaling style because of like the old like style of racing they have where it's about hard and all that stuff is not really that scientific and i mean that's stereotypical of of me to talk about the french riders that way but i feel like they definitely come at it from more like uh uh a, a visual form kind of thing almost you know what i mean like it's very much like you have to look like you're riding the bike correctly and he really was so i googled louis bar pedaling and i couldn't find anything <laughs> that's fine i'll try to show you a clip at some point but i called that out um do you have any notes before we talk about the finish here lots of crashes this race 
lots of crashes and this is typical early season like no one you know broke collarbone or anything like that but like it's the first race of the year like you they probably haven't done any you know their group rides are probably the teams and like 20 30 dudes like you haven't in a peloton a bit like it's just going to happen which, um, for the stage breakdown it didn't even seem like there should have been that many crashes but yeah it's like no one's no one's used to riding for yeah a- exactly um I started taking notes on the finish with uh, about a kilometer go, but before that, I was surprised no one threw anything down on the last ascent of the climb just to do it. But they just kind of went over it. Uh, I have to pull up a stage breakdown. That's fine. Um, so I thought that was surprising. And again, it's just like uh, that was another sign to me like, okay, they're not really going hard on this one because, you know, if it was uh, obviously, if it was a bigger race, like even. Uh, criteria to Dauphiné, you think someone would throw down the final climb with like a couple K to go to the finish just to see what happens. Um, and no one did, which is fascinating to me personally. Oh, yeah. No, if you have a downhill that close to the finish, that seems like, yeah, climb the climb would be the perfect place to break that away. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Maybe the pace was just too high for everyone at that time that they didn't want to risk it. Um, but again, <laughs> that's just the last note I had before the uh, last sprint finish, um, which you want to talk about that? Um, one of the things I want to talk about is I hate these like lap races where it's not really point to point in these tours where it's just three laps of the same exact thing. Not a fan. So the tornado is specific for that because like it's called tornado, but it's all based in like the Adelaide region of Australia. So all, all the stages start and finish in and around that city. Um, well, they need to stop. But yeah, the lap thing, it's like, it's kind of hit or miss for me. Like, I feel like for a lap race to be interesting, it has to be a lot shorter than that. Like, a lot of the World Championships races end in circuits, but generally those are, like, 20 kilometers or so. So it's more exciting, dynamic racing. This was just not that. And also, you know, who knows? Maybe if they race it differently, it would be more exciting. Like, that's why his question. Was it the course or was it the riders that made the race uninteresting? One of the things that also didn't make sense was they didn't have... It wasn't consistent whether they had the mount or the koms at the same spots or the sprints all at the same spots like i'm looking at the breakdown right now and they have three koms which makes sense because there's three climbs but they only have two sprints yeah it's it's strange but you know that's a race organizer question um yeah well they need to get their stage stage one design um okay so my notes on the final sprint here um bore lead out their lead out train locked in like they looked so good in this stage like they absolutely nailed it at the front 1k to go four riders a perfect amount of guys you want up there just absolutely nailed it um caleb ewan uh who we have beef with um he was right on the correct wheel this one like leading up to this finish he was on the right wheel like he was in the spot mind right? you he finished ninth in the stage still but i have more notes on that but he was at least in the spot you know that's half the battle for and again early season it's hard to talk about anyone's form when you think about like and i wrote this down here that like you know like gourmet is also in the race Yuen's in the race they're not guys that this is their peak right they're looking at milan and rainbow they're looking at a giro they're looking at a tour de france like this is just a training session so him not being able to finish it off is like but also taking account of the competition right like the winner of this race uh wellsford he was fast he looked good this is he's also 27 like this is going to be his boy was on point for this whole race yeah so i wrote this down actually as a note on stage three which i'm jumping ahead a little bit they said is wells heard that guy or is it lead out that good and he only had to finish it 
or is the competition just that not in form right now? Like how, like, is he, and that's always a question that you don't know when it's a first race in is like, what is their format? Where are they peaking for? All that kind of stuff. Like you don't really know. I'm going to say it's definitely a yes to all of those questions. Like, like you said, right. Bora was consistently like just nailed it. Just it. so good. Every lead out in this race. Absolutely crushed it. Which like that was real, which helped Wellsford out through it. But the racing might not be at its peak yet because it's it's the first race of the, like the first stage race of the year, right. but it still goes for shows something that a Bora can do it consistently and Wellsford can do it consistently. Yes. So and regardless of it, like, Regardless of the lead out, Wellsford still has to be able to pull, like pull through with it. Um, and Wellsford is going to be at the Giro this year, so we'll see what happens. Um, I also said Danny Van Pavel, who was the last man for Wellsford in that race, absolutely such a fast lead out man, looked incredible. All Wellsford had to do was finish Van Pavel's work, and that's like what you want as a sprint team in the lead out is just your sprinter just has to pedal harder for two hundred meters and call it a day. Like it's literally yeah. it. It was perfect. Um, okay, stage two. Or uh, do you have anything else on stage one after this? No, my notes are significantly less than yours are. <laughs> I, I, I slowed down the first one. I just had a lot of thoughts on the first one because I watched the full stage and watched the highlights of rest just because of the time difference. Like, dog, the race is essentially at 1 a.m. I'm in bed. Like, I'm not, I'm not awake for these. That's always the issue. It's sort of an area I've never really watched it, even though I was like super, super into cycling. It's just like the time difference. Um, okay, stage two. I said I love to see Alaphilippe Philippe up there with like eight kilometers to go. Former world champion, uh, French hero, love that guy. Um, really races with passion. It was cool to see him up there at the finish. And again, he's had a rough couple of years coming back from injury. Um, so we'll see if this year is better. And again, just good to see his face up there. Um, Shout out to the Mexican for winning it, Isaac Del Toro Romero. Yes, looks great. Um, he timed that perfectly. Like I wrote that down, I underlined perfectly because that like he so he went with about like what one and a half, two K to go. Something and like, like that, each yeah. other, and he was just gone. And like, that's perfect. Like you just commit and you don't look back like that is racing, racing. You know, a lot of people might have looked back like you can't. You just got to go. You got to you have to know that you have the speed and aggression to hold them off. And he did. And he looked fantastic. UAE another has another like young talent. Like they just collect them like it's nothing. It's incredible. I was gonna say, are we gonna see him? Are we gonna see him in the Tour de France? Do you think? I don't know. Like it depends on what kind of rider he is. Like obviously he looks strong there. He looks strong uh, on Walunga Hill later in the in this race. But who knows if they want to put him under that much pressure right away? Um, but I mean, fuck, looks really good. He looked really really fast. I could see him. I could see him going to a lot of the one-week stage races, right? That have some pressure, but not as much as the Grand Tour to sort of see where he's at at the top level of competition. Yeah. Um, I also put, I love uh, Beef and a Breakaway. They're arguing with each other at one point on who was working more than the other. Gotta love it. It's wasting time yelling at each other instead of just racing your bike. Perfect. Um, Luke Plapp, uh, Australian team member out there, looks strong. Very strong. All the Aussies. I, I loved all the I loved all the Aussies who were just like, all right, we're gonna just get on the front yeah. because this is our race. Home race, show off, look good in front of the world tour teams for contracts. Like that's exactly what you have to do when you're on a national team in these races, and they crush it all week long. So um, explain explain that to me. So Australia has their national team there. Is that something in like other stage races like this where say it's like America? Will there be an American national team there? Yeah, so certain races will have national teams in there, especially as like the country organized it, right? So I think the Maryland Cycling Classic had a USA team the year before. 
Um, and basically it's just a way for riders because races get a certain number of invites, right? To invite teams that aren't, you know, necessarily at that world tour level and from the level below it. So if it's like a category one race, they can invite riders to the level below that kind of thing. Um, so sometimes races will do that. And it's a good way for riders that aren't on like a pro team or a team that that's big to get exposure at this top level. So like all, right, all so those Australian guys, races. you could, all those Australian guys are still like pro racers in Australia, but their teams just aren't at a level where they could get an invite to the tour down under. So that's where the national team comes into play in this race to get those guys that exposure. Um, it's not something that'll happen like the tour de France or Gio d'Italia or anything like that. But races like the Tour Under, I think the Tour of Britain has had a British national team a couple of years. Like those kind of races will have a national team for those riders who are very talented, but just aren't on, you know, the Ineos or the Vismas to compete at this level. Makes sense. Um, stage three. You want to go stage three? Yeah, let's go stage three. Uh, finally, not a circuit race. Good news I for know. you. I know. I was so finally. happy when I saw that. I wrote that. the tent right away because you were texting complaining about it. Um, I wrote down Luke Birds. King of the Mountain, just fucking going for it. Love to see it throwing down. Um, Kofi just was in the breakaway here. Didn't like their kit. The all red like vest and the white sleeves make it look like they're just wearing a red vest. And I can't unsee it. And I really don't like it. And our kids been the same style for years. For some reason, this year, the white sleeves are just not. I'm not with it. I'm, I'm anti Kofi this year. It's got to be said. Uh, I'd say there's nothing better than the chaos after 20 kilometers ago of teams battling for the lead that have no reason to be there. <laughs> that's always fun um the breakaway seemed to hold this one off a lot longer than the other two stages they um, did. I noted I could... that they were caught at 32k to go whereas like yes. prior to that it was like 60k to go and then i don't even know if there was really too much of a break in stage two there really wasn't um i also did you see the astana pile up crash this yeah i loved when it all like six of them were down <laughs> it's just like that's and again all of them are okay it's fine but it's something fun about an entire team being crashed out. It's really, really like I wish that's one of those times where I wish they would have like a constant camera on some of these, like just on certain teams, because it's like yes. I want to know what happened that all of them and no one else, just only Team Astana that got caught up in it. Yes. Uh, uh, the dream of cycling coverage is the F1 TV, right? Where every rider has some camera on their bike and you see any view. Could you imagine that would be incredible the logistics required for it just on the streaming side alone are insane you need like eight helicopters <laughs> but uh, well it's also just like you know we even get still it's 2024 and you still get races that like it goes high enough up in the mountains in a class you're going you don't get a picture on certain cameras because there's no service so that's one <laughs> like, of the questions I've, i keep meaning to ask you so i was re-watching the um unchained tour de france yes and there are some points like povs where they have pov shots of them riding do some like how do they get that do some bikes have like gopros inside of that, them are they required no that, that is just gopros like strapped onto the back of the saddle or under the handlebars like underneath the power meter from netflix or from velon or something like that um that's I, how those function i was gonna say because that's that really kind of surprises me with knowing how much teams like fight to get the least amount of weight and most aerodynamics yeah it is really surprising that like some teams have said that's what most the one of the most surprising things about that show to me is that teams let it happen yeah uh, but it, it looks good on camera we need more um, of that in every tour i hope so um other notes i had leading up to so now i'm going to talk about the finish do you have anything else before we get to the finish uh not nope just except for sam wells for just crushing it again sam wells for crushed again i mean 
Intermache uh, for Grimsby, they're in the like white, uh, green, blue kits. Um, they had a great setup and then they kind of blew it. They need like one more guy up there, uh, in my opinion, to fin- really finish it off really easily. I think they just ran out of dudes is really what happened there. Um, Caleb Ewan, 1K to go, bad position, blew it. It's on him. <laughs> typical Ewan. Um, typical Ewan. Uh, and yeah, Bora, perfect lead out again. Wellsford, perfect finish again, two for two. Um, like that's really what that was. It's just execution, execution, execution. Like that's it's, really it. Okay, I can't tell because the flags are very close together. Is he from New Zealand or Australia? Uh, he is from Australia. There we go. Perfect. Uh, I'm looking. I know that because the Australian cycling team has an Australian flag. So I'm glad we um, could figure it out. We did it, y'all. But yeah, no. So that that also could play a part into it because it's the tour down under. It's Australia's race. And, and I also want way. want to be clear here that like I feel like we're kind of underselling Wellsford just because he's n- n- not new, but like new at this very top level cycling winning a world tour race. Oh, like, no one knows who he is. He's he's won Olympic silver. He's won Olympic bronze medal. He's a quadruple world champion. He's won two Commonwealth Games medal. Like he's, he's unknown. Good. He's he un- we never, no one's ever heard of him before. He's just a he's guy. A he just rider. showed up. He just showed up. Um, also, he did a shoey at the end of the Tour Down Under, just so you know. <laughs> oh, what a freaking Aussie. A classic Aussie maneuver. Um, I'm okay. going to do a shoey the next time I race, even if I come in last. <laughs> okay, like, you want to? Yes. Now we're shoeying. Okay. Uh, That's the face I'm going to make when I lose a race. And we're back. Let's talk about stage four. Um, this is where I put, uh, I wrote, I typed this up. Uh, early, early season races are just here, huh? Like, it's just not the same as real racing. All right, explain. Like, we talked about it earlier, and I don't want to reiterate too much, but, like, it's just they're not. You can just see, like, no one's really going crazy in these races. Well, it, it's also it's a, a long really season. boring stage. It's January. It's a boring stage. Like, not a lot happening. I get it. I understand. It's a long, it's a long year. It's a very long year nowadays then it's way longer than it used to be it's way more races than it used to be it's so boring it's so boring um um uh i said aussie team lads doing great at getting up there showing the colors um and yeah i mean a good uphill sprint wellsford is is him this week like he is him um bora train again dialed locked perfect like that's all we had to say about this it's just another well-executed sprint one of the one of the things i saw was uh in the what te- which teams were the confidence and archaic crash yes. um where two riders from each team crashed into like each other so it was a four-man pileup. one right. of the um part of the bike frame snapped yes which carbon i saw the, one of the riders just shaking it <laughs> i was like that's beautiful carbon that's that's twelve thousand dollars gone right there. <laughs> my wallet, like my wallet, but my wallet. And like honestly, it's one of those things you don't think about. But like for certain teams, like you know, it's like Haas, right? For certain teams, like losing a frame this early season is not great. Like it's really not. Do you really do you think they have they keep this try the like the same bikes for the whole like year? Or I feel like there's some teams that might just replace them every single race. So from what I know is that you get your training bikes from the team, right? And those live at home. And then I think you have race bikes that like you race on the, through the year that a team will take to and from races for you. You know what I mean? So like 
so like if you're if you're on Bora, you would have your specialized tarmac or whatever at home to race to train on and just live at your house. And then you're like, okay, I need to fly to Australia to do this race. You don't have to pack your bike and shit. They're shipping that, you know, your race bike for you with a team gear. And then you show up to race and it's there. All your measurements, all that stuff are dialed in. Like it lives at the team service course is what it's called, which is basically like team HQ. Like that's where all the equipment and bikes and stuff live ready for you. Um, so that way you're not responsible of flying with it. Now, to be oh, noted, that only job. happens on world tour teams. If you're racing in America, you're lugging your fucking bike around. Pal. I was <laughs> just about to ask, which bike that you gave me got stolen was that? Was that your that training bike or your actual bike? That was my actual race bike, yeah. I mean, some teams you're lucky to get in and keep it. There's some teams where like you have to give the bike back at the end of the year or like pay for it, and it's a reduced trade. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's not great in this country for bike racing, I'll tell you that much. Oh, um, America. Anything else in stage four for you? Uh, breakaway last lasted along but that's yeah. only because of the lack of a race there was um it was it was it's if anything it was probably the race that i feel like the breakaway could have held on to it the whole way but yeah not yeah. not too much to say about a flat boring race nope um, uh, wellsford okay. i think you might have mentioned it wellsford crushes it again yep he's got it like he he was he was on peak this week like he looked great i don't know what else to say about it. he was fast he's really fast Freaking Aussies, man. Um, all right, stage five. Uh, this, the intro, the prettiest say, I've seen in my fucking life. Holy shit, it looks so good. It looks so pretty. The layout of this course confused the hell out of me. Okay. So I don't know if you have the um, profile up or whatever it is, but it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like two laps of one way, and then you do a lap or two of the other way. It's weird. It's like, I don't know. You have to look at it to understand why I'm confused. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the, yeah, what, yeah, that's, that's weird. Very weird. <laughs> like, I, when I looked at that while I was watching the highlights of the race of it, I was just like, I would get lost <laughs> for sure. I'm with you. Um, but I do like, I did like the, um, the profile of it where it's pretty much just like rolling hills and flat for the whole thing up until the last like 20 K to go where it is yeah. super hilly, super downhill. And then an uphill finish. Yep. Up like, along a hill, which is like the famous climb on this in this stage. Yeah. To me, that's what I like when I think of like, race like hill finishes or like mountain finishes that's what i think of is like that almost steep like almost like vertical climbs right love it um i thought it was interesting at one point they mentioned the weight of the overall leader at this point they try which was el toro 121 pounds <laughs> good god i remember when i was 145 pounds i was dying I mean, I'm sure I don't know his height, so I'm sure he's shorter, but fucking not sure my pants a lot. Um, I also put here Luke Burns was flying, looks great in the breakaway. Um, also coming to the finish, EF was on the front, doing a lot of work, really hammering the pace for no one to be there at the edge. I don't understand what happened there. I don't know if they're counting on someone to be there that just didn't have the legs, but they did a lot of work. For absolutely zero result like one it was the, sad i'm going based off of the tour de france last year but one of the things that really surprised me was there's a point in the last climb where simon yates like attacked as hard yes. as he could it looked like but just like couldn't lose anyone which 
going off the tour last year where he finished, I can't remember if he tied with or got first or second against his brother, but like mm-hmm. either he's out of shape or it's not going to be his year. I tell you, it's probably mostly the first one. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's the first one. It's early season. Like a lot of these guys are probably still doing fucking base training. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't like if I'm him, that was just a move to like do a move. It was not any, I'm sure he watched one. Like that move wasn't made just to make a move. You know, it, it I'll be honest. Like it's, it's moved, it made to win. And he didn't have the legs, but it's also January. Like he's not going to lose any sleepover. He's going to be like, Oh, I wish it's stuck. I wish I had more of my legs at this point in the season, but it's not. He he's thinking, he, you know, he's thinking tour. You know what I mean? Like um, Al Philippe was up there in that group with the eight C, which was great to see. Um, I do love a good hill finish. Mm-hmm. like classic also the dsm jersey so hot right now looks so good the One white the things are really blue, mm, mint um i like the premier tech jersey with the kind of like blue on one side black and then blue on the I like shoulder i like that he's just boring i see i think that's kind of it i think that's more interesting than like some of the other ones yeah um, i mean it's not so much considering some of the kids but that's true um but i really liked how <laughs> coming into the final like this is the penultimate stage and we have two people at the end of it who are now tied for first with yes, Williams great. only, which that's up a great stage six race. Great. Like really, really good. Um, I really didn't have, this is the stage I had the lease on actually, which is interesting. Um, Oh, what a finish. Like, honestly, like, Oh, that incredible. was incredible. You couldn't have scripted better. Um, Del Toro also wrote, he's on some narrow, narrow bars. And I find the trend of narrow bars and arrow bars like fascinating because like, uh, you know, Peter Sagan won three world championships in a row and he didn't need these skinny little bars. You know what I mean? Like how much of it is real and how much of it is imagined? And obviously this, the psycho and the, the psychology of it and the, the placebo effect is a long way in, in endurance sports. But it well, also looks, I am sorry, if you come to my face and tell me that those bars and things turned in look better than normal handlebars, I will fight you. One of the things that's the official one, two, four position. One of the things that could take into account, and I'm thinking about myself, I have for the most part, generally broad shoulders. Um, so if I were to have like small, like tight handlebars like that, it wouldn't be doing much because my shoulders are still taking up so much of like the drag. So it could also be a fact that he just has a narrow ass frame. And yeah. and, I, and again, like his preference is all these other things, but I think that looks silly when people are doing it just to do it, to be a little faster. I think it's silly. Um, Love that there was a KOM right from the start. Great. Great way to get the race going right away. Like it's yep. great. It's great Ooh. course design. It's a way to kick it off, get things going, you know, love it. I, I think cycling's getting really popular. Um, they had a streaker. Yes. Incredible. I literally <laughs> wrote down naked guy. I did my notes here. I don't know if he's fully nude. I didn't get that close to look. Yeah, he had shorts on. But... Ah, Howard. Um, but yeah, if it was so funny. It's a streaker. That means they're, they're getting up there. It was so funny. The Connors be like, and what's happening here? It was like, it's like, a what's happening here? Tell me more. Um, yeah, what a finish. And what there is nothing like winning on the final day in the leader's jersey to take it home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is a great gotta be one of the best feelings which the announcers even said all they had to, all williams had to do was stick behind i forget who it was that way he wouldn't lose the jersey yeah. which that's the safe way to play it but you want to win go for you want to win go yeah, for gold just win just win love it it was um 
best way to finish it. And I really hope that it comes down to that in the like actual Tour de France this year. I hope so. Like as much as I love watching like one team just absolutely plow through everyone. God, give me that like penultimate. We're going to have, it's very early to tease it. We're going to have a very big Tour de France preview show on here. Uh, we're far out. I'm hoping to get some guests and stuff on, but you know, we'll when we get closer to that start, we're going to talk about that a lot. Tour de um, France is the Super Bowl, baby. My question for you is, if if you had to choose something to spice this race up to make it more appealing in every season, what would you do? More climbs. either, for, either for, from yeah, so either from a race director standpoint or or anything else, more climbs. More climbs. Um, I think we, I think I would go for a hill climb time trial or something, right? Something that's safe for riders to do. It's not super risky, like team time trial or something like that. But something that's interesting, not a lot of races have that adds a little dimension to the race. And now that you're mentioning it, I was actually kind of surprised there wasn't any time trials or anything. Granted, this is the first time I've watched anything other than the Tour de France, so I don't know how consistent it is to have time trials in these races, but for me i feel like that should almost be a staple where you have at least one i feel like a lot of week-long stage races do generally have at least one one sort of time trial either individual or team time trial like you usually have something um and i'm not sure they've had it in the past here i think they've had like prologues like very short three four kilometer things in the past but i think i've had a two true time trial in a while um but i I think an uphill time trial would be a good way to like mix it up like keep it fun um any other notes on tour and under um Especially no, just this being your first race other than the tour you've tuned into like live and actively followed. I wish that no, like good race. Yes. But I think what would make it a lot more interesting, especially for it being the first like year or first race for the grand tour, more climbs, break that shit up and like really put everyone under pressure. Like just you want to put them through hell at the start of the season. Yeah. Fuck it. Make it. If, if you do the hardest thing at the start, everything else is easier. I wonder if you do, if you just pony out the fucking prize pool. You know what I mean? And there's also women's tour down there, which we didn't cover because we're terrible. We got to start um, coming more, covering more women's sports. We're well, really we're going to talk, we're going to try to lay there later and what we're covering next week's episode. Um, but we are going to cover uh, some stuff. We'll get there. Um, maybe it's just more money. Maybe if you put up like, hey, winner gets half a milli, milli like Cavendish will show up. You know what All I mean? Right. Rolexes aren't cheap. Paddock Philippe's aren't cheap, man. Yeah. So, since you bring up <laughs> Wait, money. Wait, no, what does he wear? He wears a... Uh, Richard, whatever. Richard Millie, that's what he wears. I think he's in free. He doesn't need 500K. Whatever. You get my point. Since you're bringing up money, we're going to jump into the next segment. Okay. And this one is going to be the American Express Golf Tournament. Oh, shit. Okay, so this is a Jeff Solo. So I don't know if I made a clear intro, but there's going to be, uh, each week there's going to be sports we both watch and have things on like Twitter. There's going to be ones to watch individually and present to each other. This is Jeff's presentation right here. So I am... Tell me all about the Amex golf tournament, Jeff. All right. So we're going to start off like this. Golf is boring. <laughs> <laughs> not a great start to attract fans. Um, Jeff, I'm not going to lie. From a marketing standpoint, you put me in a tough spot. Oh, I know, uh, right? But there's the reason why I really wanted to jump into this after you mentioned money is, and I'm skipping over all of my notes and we're just jump, jumping to the very end. Okay. Tell me how... and. The reason for this is NCAA. Fuck them. There okay. is an 8.4 million prize purse, and the guy who wins in first got zero dollars out of it. Uh, you you mentioned this controversy to me. So is it because he is still a collegiate student athlete? He cannot access the money because he'll lose his student athlete status 
and will no longer be able to play golf in college. Yes. If he takes the prize money, he then essentially has to drop out of college, which for the- here's my question for like the 8.4 million is a prize. Well, does it know how much he wins specifically is, or is that all his winnings is 8.4? They, all I can find on the PGA tour site is the total prize purse was $8.4 million. Okay. So let's say winner gets like one, cause the winner gets the whole prize. Right. Let's say winner gets 3 million. It was actually 1.5. He should have gotten drop out immediately. I'm sorry for me. Yeah. I'm go- Cause like, obviously you have the talent to win these tournaments. You make a million dollars, you just go pro. Yeah. Right? It was one of those things where once like I was, I watched all, I didn't watch them live, but I watched all the highlights and I have some notes on some of the great shots that happened, but that overshadows all of it. Like, yeah. Like it's have really... an amateur amateur who, right. It was close. He won by one stroke. So like, it wasn't like he like completely swept it, but he won by one stroke and he doesn't win anything. I mean, granted, he has all of this prestige now. He'll probably get like, if he stays in college, this will boost like the name image likeness thing for him. But he didn't win anything from it. At least crazy to me. Like, I just... Like, and will he put it to side? Will they hold him to account for him when he graduates? Nope, like, he, so, he, he, so he just doesn't get a million dollars. He doesn't get the $1.5 million at all. And this is because of like college. I wonder. So here's what I'm thinking Amex signs into an NIL deal and pays him the equivalent <laughs> of his winnings directly. And then he said, We're good. God, actually, that would be That's, a great way around that it. That is crazy to me because it's not like he's getting paid directly by someone. Like it's not yeah it's not the pga non, tour that's paying him well, i mean it is in a non nca tournament so why should it affect nca eligibility because money's involved this you can't is pay, just, you can't pay amateur athletes apparently. we're going we're going down a real deep rabbit hole here that i'm going to pull this out who gets too deep other than saying it's crazy the nca and how that works is garbage it's ridiculous and he should be paid uh, accordingly for what he won without okay. a doubt back to um, the sport what what caught your eye watching this? And this is the first golf tournament you've like actively followed as well, correct? Uh, there was so one of the things. That, so I was complaining to you that the tour down under highlights were really short. Yeah. Um, golf tour, golf highlights are even shorter. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot that happens. There's about five minutes of highlights per wow. day. I wonder if that's just because of the competition, like because it's not PGA Tour Masters or something like that um could be but it's hard to say um one of the things that was awesome uh day one hole 17 i only have last names because that's all they show on the screen um guy with the last name of whitney uh about a about a foot away from a hole in one oh god and i was like that was one of those moments like when there's when something good happens i fucking scream but other Incredible. than that, I was kind of just like, all right, next episode. Next right. Episode. Um, yeah, no, that was pretty much it. So close to a hole in one. Incredible. Yeah. No, golf is really boring. <laughs> I, I hope that, you know, if you keep following it, once we get to like the real season, because again, a lot of sports right now are either A, not having or B, in the very early preseason opening stages of it, where the main drama and interest is coming in a couple of months. So we're kind of like digging for scraps at this point in the year, we are, uh, which is fine. We are still slightly in this weird position of 
live and PGA are still separated um, because there were two golf tournaments going on at the same time, which I chose the one that didn't have any like big names in it, apparently, Um, because like the one big name besides like Tiger was that I know Rory Rory McIlroy was in the other tournament. So I was like, okay, great. great. I just chose the wrong tournament to pay attention to. I love that. But we got the great controversy that the NCAA is a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, just garbage. Um, I, I want to talk about what I watched because the the only sport I watched on my own was only for a little bit. Um, while I was waiting for a game between a team from Baltimore and a team from Kansas City, um, the X Games Aspen were on ABC. So I said, okay, well, X Games used to be popular when I was a kid. Let's turn it on. Used Let, to be. <laughs> let's see what it is. It feels like an over-sponsored corpse of its former self. Like, didn't it seem like there's anyone there watching? Everything was resented by something. Is Monster still, like, plastered Monster's everywhere? still everywhere, and it felt covered. I, I watched half an hour of it. That's all I could take of this. And, like, this is not a problem with the Worse athletes. Athletes golf. were, like, looked good. Like, they were doing cool tricks. They were, it seemed interesting. It seemed There's an 18-year-old from Japan that was competing. It was really fucking good. You know, it was, it was from an athletic standpoint, interesting. The coverage and the commentary was very bro-esque. I, and I understand we're saying that as two blonde-haired white men on the podcast. Um, but it had no fun or charm. Like, like a Pat McAfee show, right? Very incredibly fat bro. But it does have a personality and charm to it. And like, you know, I don't hate it. This was just... I really did not like the commentary at all. It was very brutal to get into and, and understand and enjoy listening to them. That like put me off of the whole thing. Someone asked a question on Reddit about, or did the, the, did the X game used to be interesting or am I just getting old now? Oh shit. <laughs> oh my God. And one of the, one of the, one of the, what someone mentioned was part of it could be like, yeah, you're getting old, but we're also in a stage where like back in like 2000, early 2000s, the X Games, that was kind of like newish. So it was right. actually like, whoa, like look at all these people doing crazy stuff. But now we're so desensitized to it. I was like, when someone does like three backflips on a snowboard, it's not that impressive anymore, even though it should be. Yeah, I don't know. Something about the coverage, which just really just didn't. I don't know. I didn't I really didn't like it. I It seems like it's dying a slow death from probably again, is a very and limited exposure of it to myself but like i just don't i don't see i don't get it and like part of that also is a lot of those extreme sports are now just becoming mainstream like skateboarding's in the olympics now right yeah um and granted like i i watch every single i'll be talking about skateboarding when like they have one of their um uh forget what they're called but one of their tournaments yeah skateboarding is so cool to watch and, and I used to skateboard, so I also have a bias to it. But it's like, there's not really it, a lot of the extreme sports are now just considered sports. Yeah, that's true. Like, I, I don't know what the solution here is other than better coverage. Um, but I want to talk about something that did have good coverage uh, this week. Formula the E. T- oh, I, I mean, I was going to talk a different form of racing, but if you have Formula E notes, let's get into that real quick. Jeff watched two this week. I only watched one. Um, so I didn't watch terrible. Formula E this week. We're going back to their season opener okay. in Mexico City. Um, qualifying. Actually fascinating. Um, it's a bracket style. So it's oh, one. It's okay. head-to-head qualifying. 
Like same time on the course? Not uh, same time, but not like race style. So like one person starts like five or 10 seconds ahead than the other person. Okay, whichever I'm person, into it. Whichever person wins that moves to the next stage of it. And they do the same thing until you have someone who wins the qualifying. I like Which, it. I like that they're trying new things. I was like, that's dope. I wish it was head to head where they're actually racing, but I could see a lot of like bad know, shit you do, happening. You do like a three lap like shootout. Yeah. So qualifying is fascinating because it's a 1v1 time trial, which is not like any other racing series. I've Very seen. unique. I know NASCAR does something where it's like you're by yourself on the course, but it's not in that sort of like you're racing someone. Right. Um, Porsche, we're going to hear a lot about Porsche in the next couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, whether it's going to be Formula E or not or the next segment. Mm -hmm. um, Porsche wins the qualifying. Um, Pascal Werlin, Berlin, Wirelin, I don't know how you pronounce his name. He's German. Okay. Um, <laughs> sure, uh, we'll roll, roll with it. We'll get him on the show. After that, we go into the race. Not much excitement in turn one. It's not like, uh, like you see in Forza or some F1 races where it's just a massive crash. So that was kind of boring. Um, but there, after, after turn one, there are some crashes. People get a little, little too handsy. Um, we had... Where? So my, my quick question to you is, did you find the racing more compelling than average Formula One race? Yeah. Like the wheels wheel action. Okay. That's what I expect to hear. I'm glad that it is that way. It is not like Formula One where you have like within lap one, you have about half the field just split up. Everyone's stuck together for the most part. Okay. Um, you did. We did have some crashes in turn three or lap three. Um, we had Nico Muller crashed into Antonio Felix da Costa, okay. who was also in Porsche. Um, I think one or both of them crashed out in DNF. Um, lap nine, we had another crash. He just kind of bended into the wall on his own, which is half is the best of this. Um, something that I did find interesting, they add laps to the end of the race. What do you mean? So what I'm guessing, so without without knowing for sure this is a complete another guess um so when they yellow flag certain parts of the race since it's battery powered they can they're using less battery oh, when they're going slow shit so it's like at a time at the end of football match because of time taking last taken from here they added on to the end of the race um I love we're it. not even we're not even getting into their version of drs uh right, because i still don't have a boost right it's um, it's like pass overtake. I know, I know IndyCar is a similar thing where you have like push to pass essentially. You have 120 seconds of an IndyCar that like gives but you, you have to drive through a specific zone on the outside of a turn in order to activate it's it. It's like so Mario Kart. That's incredible. <laughs> it's, so, that's, it's becoming that's Mario Kart. too cheesy for me in the zone. But like I dig, I again, I dig that they're trying to make it its own thing and not just it's Formula One with, with electric cars. Like because it yes. can't be, can't replace it. It has to be its own thing. It has to stand alone. Yes. And one I of the, uh, it. we're going to jump to the end because after around, after all of that, there wasn't really much besides just good racing. Yeah. Um, love that they, so the top three people, and I don't know whether top three finishers, I should say, and I don't know whether this is really good on their part or it's just a matter of like, that's how it usually should go. All finished with 0% energy left in their battery. Oh, shit. And I was watching it and I was like, okay, point one to go, zero fit crosses the line. Like it was almost to the to the T where it was like I love that. 
the really good racing in that regard where everyone like really good battery management didn't notice anything about um pit stops i know that there was some like controversy around them doing pit stops or whatever um but it didn't seem to take up any issue or any like coverage so that's always fascinating um but yeah no uh formula e is becoming slightly like mario kart i love it i'm here for it um yeah, no definitely going to keep it keep watching it and in that case we talked about new form motorsport we got to talk about a classic form of motorsport a historic race they date the 24 hours of daytona was this weekend jeff uh you know a, a historic race you get a you get a brand new rolling if you win it on the lots wrist of, lots of right? crashes incredible lots of crashes ken miles has won this race everyone who's anyone has, has won this race right um i i kind of want to talk about the coverage of it a little bit instead okay. of the race from my from my perspective because the racing itself was phenomenal right and we'll get to it racing was great no issues with racing love the multi-class racing multi-class racing incredible. is probably the best form of racing i felt and i probably watched till like five or six hours of this which isn't a lot you know this it's a quarter of the race so well, I it's better than i did i watched the highlights okay well you suck um i felt like there wasn't a lot of coverage on who the drivers and teams were or represented which obviously is hard when it is multi-class racing we have so many races you have four to four to three drivers a team i get it you're not going to do full bios on everyone it's crazy but like I felt like I didn't know who anyone was outside of names I recognized from watching like IndyCar or F1 or something like that. Like Felipe Mass, I'm like, oh, I know him because he raced Formula One. Tom Blunquist, yeah. I recognize him. Like all, all these guys. I'm like, I've heard this name. Why are they on this team? Why do I care? They didn't have a lot of those things, which doesn't didn't make it like a bad experience. Like I still enjoy the racing and it was fun to watch it. But for me, it felt like that made it low stakes for me to get invested in. Like I what at no point was I really like, oh, I hope this guy wins because of this story. Or I hope this guy loses because they're on a team that's dominating for 10 years and it's irritating. Like I don't feel like they did a great job like presenting those things. Um, no, they don't. And I'm also looking at their website right now, and there's no real um well, they're set okay. So the next one is the 12 hours of Sebring. Yes, Sebring is next. Um, um, but again, like you're saying, there is not a lot of like storyline behind these people. And even even the guys that we just mentioned, like Felipe Massa, they didn't mention he's former F1 racer, winner, yada, yada. But they don't really like do a good job explaining like what kind of person, you know, the the, the classic sports, like here's why you should care about this guy. They didn't really do that outside. Like this guy's results. Great. A lot of guys have results. Why do we care about that guy over this guy? Um, yeah, and then also, of... and this is more an American sports coverage issue. So many cutting commercials and things are about to happen. So fucking many. Like I'm paying for Peacock. Can I not just get a stream that like when it goes commercial on cable TV, it just holds the race, even if it's not like active commentary or something? Like, can I just watch the race I'm paying to watch 24 hours of? So yeah, you know no, I know mean? that is always nice. And that's but that's what... an American sports issue. Like that's why, you know companies sponsor commercial free coverage of f1 or espn because otherwise they would cut away like right before something exciting happens um so one of the things i want to one of the things i want to point out kind of going back a little bit um that i've also noticed about why there's probably not a lot of like focus on storylines take a guess on how long until the next until 20 the 12 hours of sebring i think it's like two or three months right 43 days two hours and 39 yep, minutes there's months. not a lot yep. of there's not 
like I get it's endurance racing, but there's not enough racing for there to really be storylines between races. But I think it's not even like storylines in terms of like of rivalries. I just mean like in terms of who these guys are and who these teams are. Like even if it's a paid team, like I want to know like, hey, this like this team is with this 45 year old driver is like a successful open heart surgery and millions of dollars like sponsors this team because it's his dream and like all this stuff. Like I want to know those things up front. Like I want a cool three minute video about it. Like give me something. You know, throw a picture in picture of presenting that video and have the race in the corner and never show me that again. Uh, you know, that that's what I want. Anyway, that's my take on just the coverage of it, which I understand is very, you know, and, and that's limited. Like, I think the commentary team themselves, great. The coverage, like, of the race, great. Like, the pit guys, great. Like, I think the interviews are great. Like, actual coverage team, no complaints. I think they're incredible. Um, Really, really good. As far as, far as racing goes, we can talk about now. Um. My real thing is it must be absolutely emotionally devastating to be in a race, be, get taken out through no fire your own and have your entire race ruined. Like, and it's not your fault. Cole, we've played enough Forza for, to understand that feeling. Yes, but it must be even worse. Like, at least in those games and, and in a race like F1 itself, when you race, it's by a guy that you're racing against. These races, the multi-class things, like part of the excitement and danger of it is that you're racing guys that aren't in your race that could take you out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could be the leading car in one category and the other category car doesn't move fast enough or moves in a way you're not expecting. They get end your race and you're not winning it anymore. Which is great. One of the facts like that's good. That's what makes it interesting, though, is the multi-class racing. Like, yes, if it wasn't multi-class, we would see either just we would see essentially what is it? The GTP cars. There's eight GTP cars. It would just be another like Formula One race where the really good cars and the really good teams just pull away and it's boring. Yes. But with so without all of the other cars, it's just boring. But having the multi-class adds that like tension to it, adds that little bit of just uh, like unpredictability to it. Um, So without it, like the so the top one, two, three, four, five GTP cars all finished with 791 laps. So that's really close regardless of all yeah. of the um all of the extra variables added. The next GTP car 789 laps. Still really close. Right. And then you have 778 and 776, which obviously means some sort of mechanical or something like that. 777 laps of that course. And if you divide that by four, each one of them is doing almost 200 laps. It's fucking crazy, dude. I, we did, what, 12 and fours, and I'm ready to lose my mind. My brain is 200 is, and, uh, okay, so here's my question to you. Um, actually, do you have any other notes on the racing itself before I ask you this? Because this question might take a while. So one of the things I heard was they have 21 sets of tires that they're allowed to use, but they generally Jesus. do around over 30 different changes. Mm. So there's certain times where they don't even change their tires, which bleeds into the tire life. That's also what causes some crashes. Um, that was just one of those fascinating things. So that leads me to ask. Oh, um, sorry. Margin of no, victory. Guess what the margin of victory was? It was like a second or something, right? 2.1 seconds. Incredible. It's, it's incredible that 24 hours. hours of racing, it's a two second difference. Incredible. That's like cycling where after like 20 days of racing, you still have like some people yes. are only like two minutes apart. Yes. Or or you finish a stage of set hours of racing and it's a tire width. Yeah. Incredible. Um, is this the best form of car racing? Endurance racing? Without a doubt. Uh, at least the multi-class racing. Yeah. I think for me, even if it's not multi-class, I think endurance is number two for me. 
Interesting. I think IndyCar is my favorite right now. Just because of the nature of the size of cars, the racing is incredible. Everyone's on a relatively even playing field, but endurance racing is like right there with me. It's shocking that it's over NASCAR. We'll talk about NASCAR next week, but NASCAR is like a third right now, just because I don't understand the like all of it, the strategy yet. I'm getting it's it. left turns. It's a lot easier to get it. to jump from Formula One to IndyCar is very easy, right? Because like most Americans, we started watching motorsport because it tries to survive for the most part. So jumping from Formula One to IndyCar is easy because it's open wheel racing, of race road courses, real race tracks, et cetera, et cetera. Going from F1 to NASCAR is like a totally different world. You know, in terms of strategy, in terms of silencers, everything. Uh, but we'll get into more of that next week. Um, is that that's all our sports for the week? That's what we watched. Yeah. Great. In terms of non-American sports, obviously, uh, I hate the Chiefs. I this is going to be the most infuriating Super Bowl. And that's why either team to win. <laughs> and that's why when we get to that week, we won't be talking about Super Bowl one because it's not the stone two, because I'm not gonna. That shit most likely. See, the annoying care. part is, is I, I know care. I'm going to watch it as much as I don't want to. I, I I'm that level of American. <laughs> okay, we've reached our limit on uh, on uh, ruining our gimmick here. So that's all we talked about this week in sports. I want to preview what we're going to talk about on next week's episode. Um, so here's what we're both going to be watching along with a little preview of them. Uh, first up, UCI Cyclocross World Championships in Tabor in the Czech Republic. Um, Famous race course. I will uh, be there. Jeff will be racing. Um, My bike will finally be fixed, so I can do it. Let's be let's be patriotic for a second. I'm going to read out a list of American riders uh, that are going to be in this race. Let's go Wout Van Art. Not American. I don't care. Um, he's American. Also, he's me. also he's not. He's not racing. What? We'll get to that in a second. Uh, okay, I'm just going to name out the elite uh, men and women. There's a whole bunch of U23 uh, women and, and junior men, junior women, but there's like 20 and we're running out of time. Uh, elite women, Katie Klaus from Steve Tilfer for Nation Racing, Clara Hunziger from Team SNMCX, and Raylan Nuss, also from Steve Tilfer, who's racing for the elite women. Elite men, we have Eric Bruner and Scott Funston, both of WTP Pivot Off-Road, and my guy, Curtis White, uh, also from Steve Tilfer Foundation Racing, will be there. They're really not going to be at the front of the race much, uh, but it'd be good to see some stars and stripes out there. Hopefully, you know, top half finish would be fucking incredible. Love it, because um, all of those names you said I've never heard before. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's no... My side light just died. We've been talking Amazing. too long. Uh, there will be no Wild Fair and Out or Tom Pitcock in the World Champs this year because uh, they're <laughs> tuning off a road season. Uh, so congratulations to Matthew Vanderpool for winning the uh, World Championship this year. This is going to be such a boring World Championship. All due respect to, you know, Thibaut Nice, Lars Vanderhaar, all those guys. All due respect. All due Vanderpool's respect. Just been you're racing for shit. silver. Like, you're racing for silver. It's just the fact. Of, Vanderpool of it, has been on his shit this whole time. I mean, we'll I, see. Like, he did crash in the last World Cup because he rode into a post and, like, bounced off it, which is kind of funny. Um, and we'll see. Crazy things happen. In World I'm so annoyed that both um, Wout and Tom aren't riding in it. Now, the women's race is actually really good. Uh, Fembrand Empire is basically racing like Vanderpool in the women's field. But that was early in the season. It's been getting a little closer now that we get towards World Championship. She's going to be racing against Lucinda Brand, uh, Carmen Alvarado, Puck Piertes. It's going to be a really good race. It's going to be much more exciting than the men's is and a lot closer. So I'm really more excited for the women's race than I am the men's. Let's go like, women. Feminists. Incredible. What a statement. Uh, but generally, it should be a lot a lot more interesting. I mean, uh, Lucinda Brand had a recent crash. 
being resilient. Apparatus recovering from back injury. Uh, PRC has had multiple wins and podiums. So, and if the course conditions are challenging, which they tend to be into Boris and rain and stuff, should be a super fun race. And that could, you know, I'll, we'll watch a junior man and woman as well. He's, you know, just to see what's going on in the youth of the world. Um, but congrats to Matthew Vanderpool. Um, the other thing we're both going to be watching, we mentioned it. It's a NASCAR clash at the Coliseum, baby. Let's go. Um, the car's kind of maxed out like 70 miles an hour in this course because it's tiny as hell. But that's what made so short track racing. I went to but, one, sh- but this is short, short, short track racing. When I was, I, I when my dad was living in Virginia, he and I went to like a short track racing event where it was like all crappy. No, I don't want to say crappy cars. These it's some of these people put their lives into these cars. They're not but NASCAR cars compared to NASCAR. These cars were slow as fuck. Yes. And let me tell you, I got to say, I think short track racing is a lot more entertaining than super speedways. I but love like, speed. I love super speedways, but short track racing is a lot more skill in my opinion. Again, I just want to be clear because there is short track racing in NASCAR, and this is like shorter than short track racing compared to NASCAR short track. But I it's, see your point. It's, it's really going to be interesting. Field. Like, it's very unique. Like, there's not you're not going to see another car race like this on national TV. Yeah. Uh, which is fascinating and it's an early season thing it doesn't count towards the res- overall results or anything like that but it's a fun event they actually made qualifying and practice the day before the race on saturday free so hopefully it draws on a lot of fans and stuff just to help grow the sport um i'm just excited to watch some cars go in circles in a weird way like that's really it i'm really excited and i do think qualifying would be really fun to sort of see like how you can squeeze any tie on such a tiny course of a difference like i'm really interested to see that yeah because it's Uh, less about speed and more about the driver's ability yes i'm really fascinated. obviously when you're going over 200 miles an hour like the driver's skill has a lot to play into it but when you're going slower it takes a lot more to extract out of it those minute details would be very very interesting to watch oh yeah um i'll talk about one of the things i'm gonna watch on my own next uh this weekend uh the olympic marathon trials for the u.s olympic team are in orlando this year i run I, I'm racing in it, actually. I'm going to do live podcasting from... He's got race. a GoPro on his chest. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, it's in Orlando this year. There was some controversy. They wanted to start the race at noon originally for a TV, uh, but all the runners were like, that's way too late to race in Florida, even in January. Um, so they negotiated, set it back to 10 a.m. start time. Uh, I think it's 10.10 for the women, 10.20 for the men. Um, it's actually... We are talking about how we don't like lap courses in cycling. Uh, it's a lap course for this marathon. It's a uh, one boring. lap. Of a, it's one lap of this one distance and three laps of this other distance combined for a marathon. Not really a fan. I feel like it's not something that happens a lot, especially in big, big marathons like New York's point to point, Boston's point to point. I really said Philly's Boston point to Boston accent. Philly's point to point, Chicago's point to point, London's point to point, Berlin's point to point, Tokyo's point to point. Like, the whole, I, I feel like the whole point I think of the marathon do, racing is. I feel like the Olympics do do a lap thing though again not at the an expert. end though generally not an expert we're we're learning a lot of these sports as we cover them to be fair leave me alone in the comments um no so I away. Was interesting give us all of that like give us 30 that. minutes talking about it um i do want to get some of the competitors on our upcoming interview show can we talk uh teaser um i think it'd be really fun to talk to them about like getting to this level of like you you get to race to qualify for the olympics because just to get to the race to qualify to race um the woman needed to finish a marathon in two minutes, 37 seconds. Two and minutes. And had to, two, two minutes. Did I just do a thumbs up emoji on here? Yeah, he did. And you froze doing it. What the At fuck? least on my end. 
Well, let me let's try to bring this video back. Wow. Okay. So that's really weird. You don't get it. I only I get it. I don't understand. What the fuck? <laughs> that's very strange. Um, you need a two hours and thirty seven minute marathon to qualify for women, and two hour eighteen minutes to qualify for men. I was looking at the like as they had the full list of athletes who qualified. There's like a, like two men that qualified right at the two eighteen mark, and one woman that qualified right at two thirty seven mark. Like just got in and that those are insanely fast times and that's just for the right to compete for the, to the olympics. olympics like that's not even like olympic time like that that you like that is a level because like boston qualifying level is three hours olympic qualifying level olympic level like there's so many levels to this and it's incredible i'm really excited to watch it i hope it's a good race um and hope we can get some people on the show it'd be I'd great be to talk about their experiences just about like trade what it takes to get to that level is just to show up uh, would be really great um give me one of the things you're watching this week so i'm gonna episode. gonna stick with formula e just because that's really fascinating love the mario okay. kart um but also i as boring as golf is i want to try and stick with it it's a sport where it's I like i love that you're committed to this it's great well, okay I, like, genuinely it i think it's great i've started golfing myself <sighs> and by golfing i mean i'm hitting a ball barely 100 yards um in a driving Perfect. range and same it's thing. pretty relaxing. Put some headphones in, just vibe out, hit a ball. It's $12 at the driving range for like 40 minutes of fun, which is really cheap, actually. Um, But, and playing golf, even just that little bit, it's like, I have such an appreciation for how these, like, how the hell does someone intentionally put backspin on a ball when you have like two inches of real estate on? And you're ball? calculating the wind, you're calculating all these things. Like, it's the incredible. kind of thing where it's like, I want to get into it because there's so, like you said with the running, like there's all of that detail, all of that like skill involved behind it that completely separates everyone from the pros. Agree. I was like, I really want to understand it and I really want to watch it, but it's going to take a lot of effort because just golf in general is unless you're really into golf is boring understandable um i'm excited to hear more about the golf journey next week i really hopefully, hope there's something controversial again that way i, can I was gonna say hopefully the winner actually the gets their money uh because like insane um okay the last thing that i'm gonna watch next week i'm sticking with the athletics on this one the new balance indoor grand prix uh big race up in i believe it's in boston uh indoor track they've got hurdles they got like three thousand events it seems fun it's on Peacock. It's 4 p.m., I believe. Uh, it's going to put it on. Like, I'm, I'm very interested to see a little more about it. You know, I love track and field because it's just, I, I wrote about it before, because it's a, like a basic primal, like, type of sport. It's just like, you just got to run faster than the other person, right? Like, it's just very, like, simple to understand. And because, like, uh, you know, there's no helmets or anything like that. They're so emotive. So you can really see when somebody is actually, like, on the verge of death during, like, a 3,000-meter race. That, like it's fascinating um and indoor tracks are always fun because they're a lot shorter than the outdoor ones so there's like banking and stuff too so it reminds me a little bit of track racing on the velodrome um so yeah I, i'm excited to tune in see what's up may hopefully get into it i know we're hitting we're gonna get into the actual outdoor track and field season in a few months here leading up to olympics so hopefully this is like a good primer of like oh these people will go on and do that track and field and then go from there it's gonna be really hard but one of the things I want you to try and watch at some point, and I'm biased because I, I did track and field in high school. I want you to watch like the field events, watch long jump, watch high jump, watch pole vault, like that yeah. stuff, in my opinion. And like I said, I'm partial because I was a high jumper and pole vaulter, but it's a lot more 
it's a lot more skill oriented than running. Right. Um, no, I mean, that's totally valid. Like, yes. Uh, um, and it looks like, unfortunately, it's only running events. And her, no, they do have a woman's long jump at 405. So hopefully that makes it to the TV stream. It's going to be hard to watch because they it's not as fun to watch as people running. But it is one of the like. It's it's not like running in the sense where you're competing against someone directly. You're obviously competing against people, but you have no impact on whether they're doing well or not. Um, like Would you when, say to you against if you're you running there? ahead of someone, you can that kind of like clicks into someone and right. gives them that motivation to catch you. But if you're jumping alongside someone or pole vaulting alongside someone or throwing alongside someone, there's nothing that you can do that'll like really motivate them beyond what they're actually capable of doing. Right. So it's really like for our bet the saying that we love the most, it's you against you out there. It's you out there, baby. That's right. Um, um so it's really just like it's really a one person event with other people involved and I, I am excited to watch you know especially when it's outdoor track and field season i feel like i have a lot more of the field events i am excited to watch them because again it does circle back to like you know they're they're more advanced terms of skill required to pull off a pole bar or something like that but in the, the day it's also simple to understand it's like that guy just has to jump higher than that guy like, yeah. i can get into it based on that and just by the way like you know the, the way someone carries themselves and it's like when you first watch any sport like the way someone's attitude and ego comes out and presents itself when they're competing is like it's either going to draw you to them or you're going to hate them and yeah. like i think that's what track i'm i'm excited to see if that happens for me watching this so like i'm watching like i like that guy like something about him like 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 when you first watch alan iverson as a kid oh. like that guy has it i want to see someone that has it i'm like this is the guy this is the woman like this is my athlete that i want to watch succeed just by nature of their attitude like i'm in so I'm i want another i want an american usain bolt i don't care if he's faster than usain bolt but i want someone who has that charisma that i want the charisma like i want to watch this and be like they get it like they have the it that like you know they have the it they want they want the x factor i want to see that and i think track and field is going to be a spot for me to like find that athlete i'm like this is a person i identify with and i'm into it um so that's what we got going on for next week on hitting balls thanks for tuning in uh by the time by uh this weekend uh the shooting star our first little documentary video will be coming out about andy schleck in 2011 tour de france uh broke my heart making it um we'll also have a upcoming episode of can we talk coming soon uh no real date on that yet but we've got invites going out we'll see who who bites and yeah a whole bunch of stuff from us coming in the next few months you got anything good no nine mistakes baby nine mistakes josh rosen story coming soon um all right thank you for listening if you listen to this on spotify apple Podcasts, youtube wherever you find your podcast be sure to like subscribe rate five stars follow us on instagram at one two four underscore co stay up to date all our stuff is going to be on there we're just doing instagram now because no other social media is actually decent anymore than instagram um follow us on subscribe on youtube for the actual videos uh we'll have more content coming in the next few weeks and uh Thanks for watching.